0: Hello, welcome back to our listeners. This is Tech Conversations presented by the FIU Ratcliffe Art and Design Incubator, now in season three. My name is Neil Ramsey, the Creative Economist. I am the faculty co-founder of the Ratcliffe Art and Design Incubator. And today we have with us Mihaela Pulvarasu. And uh, Mihaela, hi, how are you?
1: Hi, Neil. Hi, everyone.
0: Welcome, welcome to our podcast. And this particular series, uh, the one I host, this is a series within a series. And we call it, or I call it, the tech doesn't mean you plug it in. Um, And that's why you're here, (laughs) Nahila.
1: Thank you for inviting me. Such an honor.
0: Good. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for being here with us. So we're going to get straight into uh, the, the the podcast here, and and you know it's a complete honor to have you here with us, and um, and I want to ask you as we go in to sort of introduce yourself, but let me, let, let me ask you specifically. You know, we we often say, "What do you do?" Well, before we get to what you do, because that's going to come out through all of our conversation, I'm certain. What I'd like to really know is kind of like is is Who are you Um, and what do you stand for?
1: Such a beautiful question, Neil. Thank you so much. The short answer of who am I is I am, I just am. (laughs) So that's the short answer. And what we say after I am are the most important words that we can ever pronounce in our lives. Um, So who am I? I am a human being who is working on increasing um, self-awareness, personal growth, well-being, integrated well-being based in in a lot of knowledge in the world through the work that I do in my business and with my students. And what do I stand for? I stand for the belief that we all have the innate potential to succeed if we put in the work.
0: Wonderful, indeed. Well, I, I know you're putting in the work. There's plenty of evidence around that. Um, so you said your business, and here at the Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator, we are focused heavily on art, design, and entrepreneurship. Uh, those, those—that's how i call it our three-legged stool. So, could you give me the name of your company, uh, uh, this business that you speak of, and what's your title or your role within that company? Um,
1: Sure, so I am the founder of of my own enterprise, Um, it's called Parenting Made Conscious, and within this enterprise, I created a program for parents, I do a lot of work on supporting and educating parents in their parenting work, the name of the program is the Conscious Parent Accelerator, And it's fairly new, I launched it last year. And through this work, I am accomplishing and living my mission every day, which is to change the future of our humanity through the way we raise young children today.
0: Got you, okay. So now this really sort of now brings me to the idea of tech doesn't mean you plug it in. because you know for our listeners this is tech conversations and you know i know you have another role um a role within the university which we will speak to because uh, you're an assistant teaching professor correct yes okay but what i do want you to describe now is is could you tell us and our listeners? how this is a technology. And when we saw technology, we are going back to the root meaning of the word tech and technology, uh, acknowledging that we do have a modern uh, description or an understanding of tech, as in terms of hardware, software, and and computers, and that sort of thing. Uh, But, can you give us how this is a technology?
1: Absolutely. the brain is the ultimate technology the human brain so this is the foundation of everything that i do both in my business in working with adults who are raising young children and in my classroom uh, in the course called self-leadership that you and i will talk about later the human brain is the most complex tech system that we can think of. And the foundation of my work is, is this. If we understand how the human brain develops from the, very, the earliest age of, of a person's life, then we can influence the development of that brain, both as parents or teachers or coaches or mentors. In any way we want to look at it. However, if an adult does not have the knowledge, the understanding, and the awareness of how the brain develops, how the mind works, and there is a distinction between the brain and the mind, the relationship between the two, and what creates success and well being, if we do not have that education and that understanding, then the potentiality of our human imagination gets lost and cut off very early on. So there's two ends to this equation in my work, in how I want to contribute to the optimization of the human technology, which is the brain. One is I want to work with parents So they can model and encode the brains of their children with the most supporting belief systems from a very early age. And in college, when I work with students, whatever was not encoded to support their potential, we can self-correct through the self-leadership class. So my work is interconnected and the answer is the ultimate technology is the power of the human brain and mind together once we understand how everything works.
0: So you're helping, and this is, I'm just sort of not paraphrasing, but I'm just trying to understand here. So you're really treating their uh, ability to, is it, is, it, is it related to self-esteem and self-worth is it related to that or not? Because you said you know you talk about supporting and encoding and and sort of giving the you know the ability to for the student or, or this the the individual to know the function and how the imagination and how this their mind works to support that which the brain can do calculate or come up with. So is it related to self-worth and self-esteem or am I too narrow or or, or am I correct?
1: Um, you are correct and everything is related. Ultimately self-esteem and self-worth are outcomes of our belief systems. Gotcha. So I like the word mindsight a lot. So think about mind sight. It's not my term, I wish it were, but it's not. So the concept mind sight was coined by a renowned psychiatrist and psychologist, uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel, his work is very well known. And mind sight is the ability to see inside our own mind. Okay. Now this sounds very easy, but it's very complicated. Why does it doesn't
0: sound easy to me?
1: <laughs> oh, okay, good. Because because it's not. So sight is the way I say I explain it to, to students and to parents is growing eyes to see inside our mind. And Dr. Daniel Siegel says that mindset has three elements to it. One is insight. In other words, do I have the ability, the skills and the curiosity to inquire what's going on in my own mind to observe what's happening in my own mind, which means thoughts, processes, emotions, feelings, intuition, all of these things together? In other words, do I have the insight skill, which is a skill? Speaking of how things are done, mm-hmm. it, we can learn to create insight or we can learn to have the skill of insight. So that's one. Second is empathy, which goes back into our um, primordial need for relationships and interconnectedness, so empathy. And then the third piece to mindsight is integration. And I love the idea of integration because going back to the brain being the most complex technology that we can think of, that all other technologies are copies of the brain in one way or another. But integration means that I understand my own mechanics of the brain so well that I am able to pause and help the parts of my brain to stay integrated when they are disintegrated. Because we know we have an executive functioning, high-level thinking part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. This is what Sets us apart from other mammals. We are Homo sapiens. That's a very new part of our brain. We think we think it's it's mature enough to keep us going, but it's not. It's very new, very vulnerable, evolutionary speaking. And then we have the social and emotional part of our brain, the limbic system which has millions of years of encoding to predetermined reactions and decision-making and biases and fears and all of these things. So integration, again, is the trained skill that a person would put effort into to be able to notice when the two systems are disintegrated so I can bring them back in balance, so I can make decisions from a homo homo sapiens perspective. Otherwise, it's only my emotions and my core fears that will drive my decision or my predetermined pre-encoded biases that have been living in my mind from when I was a little child. Mm -hmm. So again, insight, empathy, integration, there are many other models that I can give you examples of on how to look at the brain and the mind. But this is good enough for now. It's complicated, <laughs> it is and complicated. that's what makes it the ultimate technology. Most people do not take the time to self educate on their own system that's inside their head
0: well now thank you and and I you know and I, I I sort of started with this because it's very palpable that you're coming and very grounded in your work led by some uh, an observation or a philosophy or system there that's in this. Um, and you, you make me think of Simon Senek when you mm-hmm. know, talk about bringing the just cause and knowing the why and having a very, very clear purpose within one's business and even you know, transposing the, the, and thinking about entrepreneurship and business very much from a very human perspective and biological perspective. So I appreciate this introduction so let's we're going to move now into the you know you're you're an award winning teacher which um, i'm going to ask you to please tell us about the award and so on and forth but you know now we understand or you've been you've you've explained this how this, this you're working with this technology so what in the market you 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 your why what did you find, did you, was there a gap in the market? Because you brought this understanding to the field of education and we are operating and you are performing within a university system. Um, what was the identified reason that you felt this, this need to bring this system into a classroom? And, and you know, I'm going to use the word and you can explain or correct me that you, you really took an innovative approach in bringing this understanding of mind-sight. Uh, you brought it with you into uh, self-leadership, which is a guide to uh, professional excellence. Um, and it's a, a, a sort of an intercommunication uh, course. So if you will do three things for me is one, you're an award-winning teacher. Tell us a bit about this award and and, and you know whichever order it comes in. Um, the why? why did you bring this knowledge and this skill set and this technology uh, to the university education system and created and designed a course um, on self-leadership? And um, How does that work in terms of this experiential? Because I remember that's how I discovered you was a, a inquiry into experiential courses. And that's when your name came up and I discovered Mihala. So I hope that's not too many parts for you, but if you could run down that, I think you're more than capable because you've got all that <laughs> mindset. <laughs>
1: um, okay, I will start with the shortest uh, answer about uh, the teaching a word. So every year, our college um, has the.
0: And your colleges?
1: CARTA. uh, Which is
0: what was CARTA?
1: College of Architecture, Communication and the Arts. So, um, luckily and thankfully, I'm very grateful our dean um, has this tradition of offering this award every year. And I was nominated, I applied, I presented the evidence that I am worthy and deserving through my innovations in the classrooms. And uh, this year myself and another professor were awarded the Teaching uh, Faculty Award. I'm very grateful and humbled. And-
0: Congratulations on that.
1: uh, It means a lot to me. So I wanna thank our college and, and Dean Schreiner publicly, Um, why? Why did I decide to propose and design and create and teach such a course? Exactly because I saw the gap. I was teaching for a few years at, at that point, and I saw the gap between the promise that we hold towards our students as an institution And all institutions hold the promise of of graduating tomorrow's leaders, tomorrow's innovators. We're graduating tomorrow's um, critical thinkers. So this is the promise. Yes, the institutional promise, which is universal. It goes beyond our university. Any college website that we go to, it will say the exact same things. So that's one. And the focus in the classes, in the classroom, the courses, the focus on hard academic knowledge. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then what it takes to be successful because a student or a young person or anybody, regardless, age doesn't matter. I can have all te- all technical knowledge in the world, all expert technical expertise on a topic in the world. That's not going to produce a successful entrepreneur who is able, capable, and resilient to fail a million times and to start all over again.
0: Let me ask you this question while we're uh, while you mention it so when you say successful right um you know we that we have different measurements of success so is this inclusive when you say successful of the success that is defined by the participant or are you talking of an, an external success one that is measured by you know uh i don't know some sort of monetary reward or sustainable or long-lasting or some sort of other metric or measurement? Or is it particularly designed for the individual's success that which they choose?
1: Yes. Second, so in the self-leadership class, we talk about the definition of success. What What does success look like to you? And this helps me go back to your question of why did I create the course, what was the need. I was asking my students in, in the regular classes on different communication topics that I was teaching unrelated to self-leadership, yes? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I had the habit of asking my students in the beginning of the semester when we were starting the class and I was uh, interested in knowing them, I was asking them midpoint and then at the end of the semester. And my habit of asking was, why are you in this class? Why are you taking this course? Why are you in this major? Why are you at this university? Why aren't you in a different major, for example? I wanted to know their why as they came in midpoint and endpoint and without any exceptions maybe once in a blue moon there there was an exception here and there but the overwhelming majority of students would tell me i don't know i don't know uh, and then they would have a lot of justifications i'm here because If I get a college degree, I will make more money. And then I would say, how do you know that? Who's guaranteeing you that? Well, that's what my mom says. That's what uh, people say. That's what media says. That's what society says. That's what culture says. So So over-
0: this sounds like a form of literacy. Overwhelmingly,
1: the majority, the average student does not know their why why they are here, why they're taking the class, why they're in this major, unless we have the typical overachiever, um, pre-med student or computer science, the overwhelming majority. So when I saw the gap, when I saw that reality, for me, it became an urgency to help in the way that I could help my students have mindsets have self-knowledge, have self-awareness of what drives me in life? What is a priority for me in life? What are my values in life? Am I aligning myself to what my purpose or my values are or what I want to give, what I want to create? Where do I want to challenge myself? Let's say values is a too abstract conversation. I would ask my students in the beginning, where do you want to grow? Where do you want to challenge yourself? They had no idea what I was asking even. So,
0: so Michal, you are really sort of coming back to or or bringing the idea. We talk about critical thinking and we're producing critical thinkers. but. so I think you're bringing it to the root of, well, let's start critically thinking about the self and start there with an understanding of oneself in, in a critical fashion before you can actually go on to be a critical thinker. Um, is, is, is that correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. I will give you another example, I would ask my students what stops you from achieving everything you want to achieve. And the typical answers were. The "Well, dog,
0: the, the dog chewed my homework. Yes. <laughs>
1: the typical answers were, well, it takes a very long time. Uh, I am a, I am a procrastinator, or um, I don't have what it takes.
0: So are these self-affirmations? I don't have funny. money.
1: I don't have money. I don't come from a wealthy family. All kinds of things.
0: So are these self are these like are these words or, or statements acting as self-affirmations, like negative ones? Is you know if you tell yourself you're not something or you don't.
1: Okay, so I'll answer because I, this is very important in, in self-leadership okay. and what we're talking and mindsight. Th- this is so much more than affirmations. These are self-beliefs. This is the software. If a person says things like this, If if they run through their head, usually unconsciously, unless somebody like me stops them and asks them what stops you from achieving what you want. So these are belief systems that are running through a person's subconscious mind, like a software that's been encoded in zero to seven stage of of brain development when we are very young. That's how the brain learns. So they are encoded. It is a very well-coded software and the person, now an adult, self-identifies with the software. So my job, the way I see my role in, in this teaching is, I'm going to teach you to disidentify yourself from that software because you are not the software. And if we learn to place distance between the software that's running through your unconscious mind because the mind has two systems, conscious, unconscious. If we learn to disidentify, put distance and observe the software that is telling you that you are a procrastinator, that only people from such and such kind of families can achieve such and such dreams, whatever, wh- whatever the, the belief is, if you learn to observe it, inquire it, question it, see where it's coming from, that, that's why it's a core belief. It's so much more than an affirmation. It is a core belief, which is a software, it's, it's a code understood so my job is my role my why my passion comes exactly from this if I show students that there are tools for them to go beyond their initial code that they have no choice and no say into it was given to them it's imprinted Mm -hmm. right and that depends on the family the culture, the environment, the psychological, emotional, family, relational, cultural environment we we were brought up in. We have no say in that as children, but now we have a say because we can decide with this mindset skills, with this distancing from my own software. Now I make a conscious decision to recode myself, I'm going to replace my own software.
0: Ah, I see, okay. So let, let me ask you this, which goes from that. So could you sort of give me an overview now of how you've taken this and developed and designed an experiential classroom in order for this to, for for, for what you're you've just described for it to be effective for the participant to be able to utilize this. Um, And so you're not so much, I would say you're not, you know, because one of the things I was thinking about, oh, is it like, are you you programming? So you're not really, I wouldn't say you're programming, you're deprogramming that which is negatively affecting potential outcomes. So when you have a system such as a university that is giving education and academic sharing academic information and and so on and so forth that you're deprogramming the barriers to be able to utilize a traditional education and integrate it within oneself because if you have these is is that so you're so how is it that you design this classroom, this experiential classroom? How do you deliver this? How does it get distributed so that it's effective within this particular environment?
1: Okay, great. So first of all is the format of the class. To me, it was very important to create an environment of delivery that is non-traditional. So I teach the class in two uh, consecutive full weekends. So we I'm on campus in the classroom with my students uh, full Saturday and Sunday and the next full Saturday and Sunday. so I believe in immersion type experiences. I don't believe in one hour and fifteen minutes every week kind of um, teaching, even though it works that works too for for the more traditional courses. For, for this, it has to be a different environment. So I started with creating that environment. We meet on campus two full weekends, two uh, four full days, and it's a total immersion in the self, in the mind of the self. The first weekend is dedicated to what I call Deconstructing the mind, you said it perfectly earlier, deprogramming I say, and i I like that I say decons deconstructing the mind because it takes a lot of concepts, it takes a lot of work. We do a lot of exercises, different types of exercises, from personal writing reflection to mirroring with another person to pair sharing, group sharing, small groups, large groups, um, open circles, small circles, a lot of walking, a lot of moving, we go outside, we come inside, there's there's a lot of movement and flow. And, all, and, then, and,
0: and, and, and just so all of this, this movement, this flow, these different physical active uh, methods those are all part of the immersion and those and and these are the things that is it it, it helps in the in it helps one uh, absorb and maybe helps in the process of we'll call it deprogramming and that's it help,
1: what, yes it helps in in the process of learning
0: so you're creating an environment and the yes. environment that you create is really doing a lot of the teaching for you exactly. as opposed for you just trying to lecture and say this is
1: what something is. Exactly. Um, I don't see my role as a, as a lecturer. Um, I could never just lecture. It's not my, my, my philosophy. My role is to facilitate so by creating, by creating the, the proper environment and the proper course climate, I am facilitating the learning of this very difficult to grasp concepts. So that's why um, I do, I, I guide the students in a lot of experiential exercises, either self-reflection on the self or and a combination of sharing and relating to other people. You know, most of my students tell me in all of my classes, they tell me um, the following at the end of every semester. They say, your class is the only class in which I know my colleagues' names and I made friends. And in my career as a student, in my time of three or four years here, there is no other class in which I know one person.
0: Really?
1: Which means they come, they go, they that. sit down, <laughs> they sit down, You know, they take notes, they are on their phones, they walk in with their phones in their hands, they walk out with their phones in their hand and, and they, that's it, class is over. That's unacceptable for me. So for me, creating the proper classroom environment is important in all of my courses, not just the self-leadership course, but in the self-leadership course, of course I take it to the next level because the topic is the self, is the mind, is how the brain works. Why do I think the way I think? Where, this, where does this thinking pattern comes from? Why am I not more courageous? Speaking of Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, which is a book I use in the class. How come I don't have more courage? What stops me from being courageous in making decisions, in in taking a step towards something that I'm afraid of, let's say in business, in entrepreneurship? Where where do these things come from? That's the questions. These are the questions that I want my students to walk away with. I care more about them learning to question their own minds on a regular basis than knowing everything and having all the answers.
0: Ah, uh, okay, I get that. I understand that. And that's, that's, that's you know, uh, curiosity. I think it's, it lends to curiosity and curiosity tends to pull us through into And help us become learners, and curiosity develops us as students. So you know, um, and leads us to many, many, many things, uh, including innovations, uh, including uh, you know entrepreneurial endeavors, and all sorts of things. So I I get that, and and that that's really commendable, Um, and and dare I say forward looking. So to wrap up um, before we leave, what I'd like you to maybe tell me is what is your, you see, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something that is really maybe 21st century education and, and going where I, I, you know, some of us may believe that education is actually, whether it likes or not, is going to end up in this realm. Um, but so what, what do you think is the future of education? Um, as an educator. And, and uh, I think you're participating in shaping that future. So how, what, you know, give us a, in five years or 10 years, what what, what do you what do you think is going to be the, uh, uh, the, 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 the most effective technology, let's call it right, the most effective technology in in educating our Uh, citizens of tomorrow?
1: Mm. Such a great question. Okay. The future of higher ed and all forms of education, in my perspective, the way I see it is that institutions must, it's urgent, must accept that they are not here to teach content. That's gone. Why? Because content is available everywhere. Students have access to information and and people in general. We now have access to content, to information in a millisecond. I can go online right now and take a course from an Ivy League school at no cost if I want the content. So the role of the institutions moving forward is not to teach content. The role of the institutions, if a person should choose to come to an institution for a degree, the value of that degree and of that institution is going to be given by the ability of the institution to personalize the education to the, to the individual's personal drive, which means I'm going to take responsibility in helping you identify your why first. I will not assume that you know it. Mm -hmm. I take responsibility to be your partner in the process of identifying your drive, your why, your vision, what your legacy is going to be, what you want to build. And I will create the environment for you to learn this through meaningful relationships with other people. Because fundamentally, fundamentally, we only thrive in groups, in relationships. We are, our mind gets unlocked, imagination, vision, when we do things with other people. So the value of those relationships created within the college years are going to determine if a person comes to my school or not. They cannot be coming just for content. That's why for me, the classroom environment and guiding and facilitating this conversations between students, this sharing of ideas between students is so important. Because two students who meet in my class who are able now to connect. They can start the business tomorrow together. They can meet in a co-working space tomorrow and, and, and give an idea a chance. Also teaching students how to fail. I don't think we do this enough. Teaching them mental resiliency, teaching students attention, focus and attention. The currency of the 21st century is attention focus and the mind is programmed for wondering. We are not innately predisposed to focus. The mind likes to be very wondering. That's why focus is so hard and that's why attention is so hard and technology with all the social media platforms and and the online working tools. And we are on Zoom right here, right now. My mind right now has to focus on a million things to be able to carry this conversation and not to look at my phone. If a notification pops up, I gotta be sure that it doesn't distract me. So the the golden currency of the 21st century is mind focus. Are we teaching that? because only from focus can vision come, innovation, creativity, forward thinking, and doing well, doing good in the world.
0: Well, I have to say that you're a testament to the fact that this institution, which is where the Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator, which is Florida International University, uh, what you just described has a lot of parallels with how the incubator operates and 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 its system, and uh, and what I'm saying is this is a testament to the institution making steps towards what you have just identified as uh, the the education or or the facilitation of the future of 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 what we call current university. So you know it, it it's wonderful that. You know, and and this is tech conversations, and here you are, and this is a living technology and an innovation introduction into a classroom, and uh, so on. That note, I'm going to say thank you extremely, thank you very much, Michaela. Um, is there is that? Can you do, do before I'm going to leave, but we're going to just tell us what the name of the course is and if it has a course identifier just in case there's someone in the audience that would like to perhaps enroll and and and, and take this uh this this course that's uh, so give us the current title i think you said it may change it so will change yes just the current title what it might change to and the course number and we'll leave our audience with that so that if anyone has an inquiry they can take a course with you.
1: Yes. Um, The course name right now is self leadership, a guide to personal and professional excellence, but it will change. It will uh, change into intrapersonal communication, uh, a guide to self leadership. Uh, If students are interested in taking the course, they um, they can find it by my name. I, I would recommend that instead of a code, just type in my name in PantherSoft, and you will find it. It's an elective.
0: You want to spell your name because your name isn't. The, the, it's okay to. They'll find to spell it, in,
1: it in in the notes, but it's M I H A A. And Mihaila, M-I-H-A-E-L-A. Um, so because just I just
0: thinking about those who might be driving and listening to this podcast.
1: Okay, <laughs> and last name Plugarasu. So just type in my name. Uh, it's an elective. It's a three credit uh, elective, so you get credit for it. Um, email me. You'll find me on on FIU's website. My last words today are of gratitude. I really want to commend our university, our college, our department, Department of Communication, my chair, who all supported this work and allowed me to to create this course and do this work with with the students, Uh, we wouldn't be talking about this today. So we are a forward thinking institution and we're taking the right steps.
0: Well, congratulations and thank you for being here. Um, and We really, really appreciate it. So again, this is uh, the series uh, within a series. Uh, (laughs) Tech does not mean you plug it in. Or doesn't mean you plug it in. And this is the Tech Conversations presented by FIU Radcliffe Art and Design Incubator, and now in season three. Okay, thank you so much. Take care. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Bye
0: bye.